up this morning with the sundown shining in him. Where's the money, Lebowski? Where's the f***ing money, head? Oh, it's, uh, oh, oh, it's down there somewhere. Let me take another look. I found my mind in a brown paper bag, but then... 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Tripped on a cloud and fell eight miles high. I tore my mind. On a jagged sky. Okay, you know, you guys aren't privy to all the new <laughs> so, uh, you know, that's what you, uh, that's what you pay me for. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. Yeah, let's cut through the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? I lost you $60,000. There is no one who wants to make that money back for you more than I do. Just one thing, dude. What's that? You have to use so many cuss words. What the f are you talking about? Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. I woke up this morning. Hello, everybody. It's Jackson Jacks. I'm talking about Greg Pappas on the board. And we have to go fold up the flag we got on the floor here of uh, PTI's home home base. Like they do on the football field after the national anthem. No? I'm on it. Kevin, we're not hearing you much, but Greg's on it. I'm on it. You're on the flag, too? I'm on the flag, too. Folding it up as we speak. You know, the uh, does the government pay for our flag, too, like they do for the football stadiums? I don't know. You know, they do pay for those. Well, let's fly it. There's some Somehow we get this connection between... Football and patriotism, I don't quite get the connection, but evidently there is one that somebody sees. Manly men, you know, patriotism, I guess. Big recruiting for the military. And oh, yeah. Well. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of guys go to a football game and wander out of there and sign up. Just saying. Do we have Kevin? I hear him somewhere in the background. You hear me somewhere in the background, don't you? Yeah, how are you? So evidently I was wrong that the uh, Orange Jerseys did win a football game. Yeah, that's it. It was all the jerseys. Yeah, the... Uh, and, and and Carolina's offensive ineptitude. Yeah, but they do have the uh, uh, number one quarterback pick, right? Yeah, he was the number one pick. He's got he's got no weapons. I you know he he showed you every once in a while that he can be pretty good, but he he really doesn't have anything. You know, how many drop passes did he have? How many you know guys had a hard time getting open? Bears had a pretty good pass rush last night, mostly with four guys. Um, so that was good for them. Um, was their pass rush good, or the offensive line on those guys' team just bad, or both? Well, I, I I think it's both, but I think Montez Sweat helps them a lot. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He uh, definitely adds to the mix a little bit. I, I can't believe what's his name still playing, Khalil Mack. Yeah, still alive. Yeah. Well, it's still just has his moments. You know, he's he's not the guy he once was, but uh, he he's also. Uh, um, you know he, he's he's older. It's he's at the end of his career, and um, you know what the heck he's uh, uh, he's he's well on his way to being uh, uh, probably a Hall of Fame caliber player. Um, you do remember Kung Fu? No man can be the man he was. He can just be the man he can become. Are you giving me the double talk? No, that was Kung Fu. I know. Yeah. I know the, uh, the "Are you giving me the double talk?" is uh, oh. Curly Howard in that famous scene oh, yeah, where yeah. he's uh, getting sworn in. Yeah, 
and uh, it's uh, take off your hat, put your hand on the on the Bible, and uh, it's it's just like one of the all time great Three Stooges routines ever. <laughs> Those guys, they were they were uh, they were really something. I mean, they they, were they and they, and ever got if everyone to read a, I'm sure I don't even know what's even in print, but if everyone to read a a book, you know, it's a, it's a it's an easy read, obviously. Remember, obviously, but it's an easy read. Read Mo Howard by Mo Howard, and how every one of the studios did nothing but screw those guys. I mean, the studio, nothing, I mean, nothing was, it was almost as bad as the, you know, big, big whatever now, the, the studios back in those days. And the, uh, they, they were, they, they, they kept cutting their pay saying, nobody wants comedy shorts anymore. And at the same time, they were telling the, the movies that they had to take a crappy movie just to get the Three Stooges because they were so popular. So, and it was, you know, that was that was quite the cartel, the movie guys back in those days. How they treated everybody. Yeah, and and, and they still are to a great extent. But, yeah. Uh, uh, they did settle the actors thing, though, didn't they? Yeah. Was wasn't the uh, <clears throat> who were the big? Uh, it was Metro Golden Mayor. It was Universal, and uh, who was the third one? Uh, Paramount. Yeah, I think so. But they were, I think there were three major. Boy, Greg, if you want to check this, I think there were three major firms. Republic was pretty big for a while, but it was three or four Jewish guys that were roughly the same na- the name same age that all came from within like a square mile in New York and didn't know each other from New York and all became they became the the guys who ran you know Sam Goldman and what the, about Universal? You know, I, I said Universal. Oh. I, I don't know who ran that, but obviously uh, Sam Goldman was what Gold, something Goldman Mayor and. Uh, Metro Golden Man. Yeah, uh, and then uh, I don't know who ran Universal, and then then it went. You know, it's been a long, it's a long time. Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers, yeah. And um, but they used to they paid the guys so little they used to let them go be extras on other sets after they were done filming their movie. So like John Wayne would be making when he was making those old odors. As soon as they were done, he'd run over and be an extra and get paid like two bucks for being an extra just to get a couple of a couple of, literally a couple of bucks. Crazy stuff, but uh. Um, it's a, there, actually, there's an interesting period piece. Uh, it's not so much, you know, we don't care too much about the actor, but <clears throat> the, uh, the, auto, the autobiography of the young John Wayne is almost like a step-by-step of how the movies were in those days. Okay, you know? let's see. This, is, this says RKO, 29 to 59. Um, United Artists, 1919 yeah. to 1981. MGM, 1924 to 1986. That was that Metro was Goldwyn. Yeah, yeah. Metro Goldwyn Mayer was acquired by Ted Turner in '86. Um, that was back when Ted Turner Turner was had an empire, right? Yeah. And now it's uh, MGM or Amazon MGM um, and 20th Century Fox, which is now part of Disney. Right. So, but they all were, were run by guys from New York, and they just managed to make it out to LA, and that's where they were. It was um. So, Kevin, we have an interesting week. We had a huge move in the market yesterday, well, intraday, with uh, the almost at the same moment of the 30-year bond auction, which was a really bad auction in the sense that the, I think, right, weren't the, the rate, the auction rates higher than was actually trading, which rarely happens. I saw that those uh, people who were in activists or whatever got into the Fed meeting and they started, you know, Chanting and and Paul and Paul was on a hot mic and he was swearing. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> um. Well, you know, there's there's a lot of stuff that is going on. Uh, 
in in our in our society that you look at it it's, it's it really is kind of a a fight somewhere between what government's supposed to be doing and what people are supposed to be doing them there was a uh, a lot of we well, see what's going on here in Chicago driving in this morning and the whoever was doing the news story was was fairly <coughs> accurate when there's a there's like a huge fight in the city between uh, the black community, the Hispanic community, and now the immigrant community over resources, and uh, and it's not, you know, they're not liking each other because of that, and it's a, uh, it's, it's really almost a sad thing to see, Kevin. But there, there's some lady was on this morning, and she's talking about how we just have to make sure of all the other people paid their taxes, there'd be enough of this extra money to give everybody. I mean, nobody ever mentions the J word. The, you know, I don't. I don't understand what in God's name we're doing here. When and then it doesn't help when you come out and say, "God, it costs you know like ten grand a day to to, to house an immigrant or feed an immigrant." Come on. I mean, the, the, the uh, food depository. What do they feed? Two hundred twenty, two hundred fifty thousand people a day. I don't think it's whatever these guys say it costs per person. And and if we're given, if we're if we're Paying to house people anyway, Kevin. Why don't we? Get, it's not like there's not enough stuff to do around this town. Why don't we just pick areas, forest preserve, parks, you name it, and, and instead of giving somebody or, or having the food truck show up that we that we give the contract to some schmuck, not a schmuck because he knows this, he's doing better than we are, uh, you know, and charging God knows what. Why don't we gather up a bus, bring somebody out to the gang, do some work for the day, pay them, and let them buy their own damn dinner? And they'd be happier. So would we. Or the one guy'd be out of a job. What? What's? We're, we're paying it anyway. Why don't we? What? what sorry, why Tom. Sorry, Tom. That's union work. You got to run it through there. I, you know what? That's. I don't think there's any any of that left here to be any extent. Well, not public service union stuff. So yes, it is. Well, I'm saying, you know, you just do it. You just do it. I mean, why, why, why would you, somebody who's willing to go to work, why, and why would you, why would you say no? You can't work. Just sit here all day long. By the way, it costs us five hundred dollars a day to keep you here. When if, when if we gave somebody a job, we could pay them two hundred fifty a day, and they could take care of themselves. I mean, this, this, there's no common sense here whatsoever. What am I missing? Um, you're missing exactly what I said. You get pushback from different places um, <clears throat> that that are not willing to accept that. Okay, well. If somebody from down the block doesn't have a job and wants to hop on the same bus, let them. I don't have a problem with that. Yeah, I'm fine. It's just that, you, you know, you're going to get your, your public service union constituency that's going to go torpedo that and say, well, you know, first of all, they, uh, they're not eligible to work. They're not legally eligible to work. So, um, so they can't join the union, and that's union work, and I'm sorry, you can't take the union work away from us. I don't, I don't think the unions in the city... How can it be? How can the unions be strong, Kevin? It was a, it was a janitor's union. Their power structure. I, I, I used to be an, I used to be a janitor for a city. There was a janitor's union. Now there's no more janitors. There's no union. How can it be a union when there aren't no more janitors? They all, they all work for private contractors. They're not unionized. Well, my point is, I, I I understand where you're coming from, and my. What I'm telling you is, there's obstructionists to all of this. I, 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 my, my point is. Screw the obstructionist. My my lawyer buddy says, "Oh, gee, they can't work. They don't have a, a social security." For God's sake! I mean, just do it, right? I mean, I, that's what I'm saying. You know, 
Oh man, I, I I don't have the right paintbrush. Oh man, I don't have the right. Just paint the door, will you? I mean, at some point you got you know you know what I'm saying. I, I know exactly what you're saying, and all I'm telling you is there are people who will get in the way of that. Okay, well, run, run them over. Box and uh, and and uh, financial support and all of those things, and that's a problem. Okay, but it's it, it's it's a uh, something to be dealt with. It's not a game breaker, in my opinion. I'm with you. I, you know, I preach that all the time. That uh, um, you know, uh, leaders leaders don't see they see obstacles, things that have to be removed. They don't see showstoppers. Um, yeah. Well, I, we don't have leaders that are that good. You you sit there and you say, "Oh no, nobody has a social security card." Let me get this straight, knucklehead. Not you. I understand that the payroll yeah, tax. I'm Mr. Knucklehead. Yeah, you're Mr. Knucklehead. I, I know we have to pay 15% um, unemployment tax. Guess what? We just started a, a credit union here for this f- 50 people. By the way, you can, you can go online. Not online. You can, you can go anywhere. The state, well, you could go to the state, but you also go online and see that there's credit unions all over the state. And some of them only have like five and six people. Like there's a, a credit union, some, some churches might have been closed for, buy the damn thing. Okay, we're all, we're all joining this credit union. And every day, we're going to pay you in cash. And oh, by the way, put 15% of the cash in your account in this. And one day when you get your Social Security card, we'll send them a check. Now, I just took care of one obstacle, didn't I? Yep. This is not that difficult. But I, I, don't, I don't want to go buy police stations. Uh, apparently it is. Well, I don't want to go buy police stations and see people with only all... And I'm sure there's some bad people there too, but there always is. I'm sure... And see... Guys, before they get into the drugs and stuff, and I'm sure a couple already are, if they want to do something, let them do it. It's not like we don't have, we don't have enough around here to do. Get somebody, get get the thing organized, whatever it is. You know, I I just and you know what? If if somebody down the block in the, in the hood or wherever they are can't find a job, if they want to hop on the same bus, hop on. I'm not making this exclusionary. I you know, so, somewhere or another, we got to think out of the box, Kevin. We got to get these. Young people out of some of these neighborhoods in the summertime with something to do where their bullets aren't flying over their head, some place where they learn. Maybe it's a pre-military, whatever. Whatever it is, we we can't just the status quo is not an option. I don't think it's just me. But that's the are you gonna get another job? I don't think I'd like another job. <laughs> what are you gonna do about money and bills and? You know, I've never really liked paying bills. I don't think I'm gonna do that either. There you go, Kevin. So, well, that sounds like a plan. Yeah, that is, at least that is a plan. Well, you know, if, if you don't if you don't have gas in your house, you don't get a gas bill. You don't have to pay it, right? It might be a little chilly, but just saying. a little. Yeah, a little. Um, anywho, that's my that's my rant of the day. But what happened yesterday in the market was we were way up, and all of a sudden we had a horrible thirty year auction. Rick Santelli gave it a D minus, whatever that is. Uh, not not good. Um, not, not a passing grade, shall we say. Actually, you can say anything over an F's passing, isn't it, Kevin? I, I can't remember so long. Uh, it, it is, but um, but what any college would consider success would be a C or better. The hook? Remember the hook. They used to refer to... Did you ever do that, Greg? The, the C was referred to as the hook. I got a hook. Anyway. Haven't uh, heard of that one. See? We learn something every day in Stacks and Jacks. The, uh, so were they... And then... Uh, Powell came out and said they're not confident they've they've shut down inflation. Well, duh! How can you be confident when it's all over the place? So that's those two things. 
uh, S&P's. Want to hear something interesting from yesterday? Yeah. We got bored at the restaurant, uh, and we pulled a menu from 1947. Whoa. <laughs> and plugged the prices into... Um, the C or the BLS inf- inflation, the CPI. CPI, yeah. yeah. And so, the what was it? The breakfast special that's still the same, minus the coffee, I think was. Uh, what was it? Ninety-five cents, which should, from forty-seven, be about thirteen sixty right about now, and our current special I think is sixteen sixty. So they, so it was under just a little bit. So, well, if you that's that not the experiment that the exact same <coughs> breakfast from the exact same restaurant, pretty much. Um, I would say that uh, 47 was a uh, very good year. The CPI, if, if you were to use the uh, 2000 numbers, that's that's where that's where people start to get screwed. The 2000s of today, well, that's when it really whatever, starts to the chart. Whatever it was, I mean, that should that should be accounted for in the CPI or the BLS calculator. If you just type in BLS, yeah. CPI, you know, inflation index or whatever, you, into Google, it pulls it up and you can pick your year. You put in a price and it tells you the equivalent yeah. uh, purchasing power from for today or whenever you want. So we did the, the breakfast special from 47, which was 95 cents, and it, it said it should cost approximately 13.60 um, now, and we pulled it up and we ran the, and it's approximately sixteen sixty. So we were, we were not off that far off. Yeah. So that was closer than I thought it was going to be. But if you take out, uh, I'm going to say sixty eight through eighty one, and two thousand through now, that that's virtually where all the inflation has been. Don't you think, Kevin? I mean, I thought the government was going to be off by like you know fifty or a hundred percent. Well, only twenty years. I'm saying try, try two thousand and twenty to today, two thousand to today. And do like sixty-eight to seventy. You'll, you'll find that the big jumps are even. You miss a few years. Um, it's uh, we, we were doing twelve percent a year during the late seventies, weren't we, Kevin? I oh think. yeah, 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 for sure we were. And well, that, that was that was printed numbers. That wasn't you know maybe they were maybe they, back when they were honest. I'm saying like even <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. Think of politics in those days and tell me what uh, say back when they were honest again. Um, that was that was when we were throwing uh, um, you know cabinet members uh, right and left into jail. Um, I'm gonna <laughs> that was back when the president was the president because uh, Jerry Ford in the in the mid seventies that was be- when the president became president because the his predecessor was had to resign in disgrace, but he became the vice president before becoming the president because his predecessor had to resign in disgrace. Well, Spiro Agnew was a, was a special creature, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. So, and for those who for those youngsters who don't know what we're talking about, Spiro Agnew was the vice president to Richard Nixon, and Agnew uh, had been the governor of Maryland, and he was prosecuted for corruption charges when he was the governor, and wound up pleading no contest. And part of the plea agreement was that he would. Um, he would be able to uh, resign rather than get uh, from uh, being the vice president. So that was when they came up with Gerald Ford. Yeah. The only uh, president who ever really was elected VP or or president. I'll take the under on that. I'd I'd say people now are as corrupt, if not more corrupt, than before. Right. But, you know, I I was just reacting to 
when Tom said back when that might have been back when we were honest. And so no, we weren't. Um, can <laughs> no, I, we weren't. Can I can I can I re- review what I said um, and, and and reshape it? When I I didn't mean individual people that were senators and whatever. Actually, I think in Illinois our senators were a lot more honest, but. I think what I'm talking about, Kevin, is is the the stuff coming out of government. I don't think there was an institution that the bureaucracy was not as well formed. We, you didn't go through the '70s with 12% inflation, and every month the CPI said it was six. I don't. The numbers I think you could count on. I mean, when we came out of a world war where if, if a thousand people died in a in a in a battle, they didn't tell you 300 died. They told yeah. you. If, I mean, now in Vietnam, though, we know they lied. We we went. Well, we went. We, we we lied on the amount of uh, people we killed on the other side. I don't think we ever lied on how many people died from here. Oh, I think they. Yeah, I do believe they lied on the casualties on the U.S. Really? side. Really? Yeah. Yes, they kept them lower. Really? Oh, morning, Mike. Hey, Mike. Good morning, folks. Um, I don't think I've ever told you, boy, Mike, the the lady who still upstairs. I mean, she's very very pleasant. She had a job at uh, Walmart, all places, and they had some guy at Walmart who didn't really talk to anybody. So, of course, everybody said, yeah, you don't talk to Joe. Don't, don't really want to talk to anybody. So, of course, this lady makes it her, her mission to talk to Joe, right? So, finally, she sits down and has lunch with him a couple of days. So, Joe opens up. It turns out Joe's job <clears throat> after a after a battlefield encounter in Vietnam was to walk out, and all the people who got blown to bits was to do the body count. Remember when they did the body count stuff? Right. And, and his job was to, okay, well, there's two legs, there's a couple arms. Well, that's that's one body. That was the guy's job. No wonder he was kind of messed up. Yeah, that would kind of um, uh, change your out- outlook on life. Yeah, you? and then you end up then you're working at the Walmart on top of it, right? So that's not so good. What uh, it, it seems like, uh, Mike, we, we've got the the wars are sort of in the uh, <clears throat> rearview mirror. I mean, they're off the front page already. Uh, Ukraine can't get can't get a uh, nobody can talk about that because the Israeli war is on top of that. But even that one. The last four or five days, unless you look, it doesn't hit you in the head. What's what's going on? Well, it, the, Ukraine's in a stalemate. I think the Russians are stocking up for one last maybe offensive before winter, and uh, we'll see what happens there. I mean, you've got the Israelis and uh, Hamas or whoever it is. You know, we're hectoring Israel for some sort of a humanitarian pause. And I think actually Netanyahu agreed to a four-hour pause on a daily basis. So, yeah, so yeah, that, that's what I had heard this morning is the, uh, um, whenever they're going to go in someplace, they say, you know, get out of here. <laughs> We're coming in. Yeah. What right, the, but, you know, still, it, it's, it's an still no movement on any hostages, war. though, that I'm aware of. Yeah, yeah, that would be really uh, sad. Mike, when you talk about winter, we're already talking middle of November. How much time they got over in Ukraine? Can't have much. Well, it's still, you know, kind of warm enough so that they could do something. Uh, Although, who knows? You know, it's only a matter of time before they just kind of settle in for the winter. But the, you know, the Russians already have, and I don't think the Ukrainians have enough stuff in order to mount an effective counteroffensive. What uh, the the F-16s that, was it Poland or somebody gave them and people are all getting trained. When, 
is that going to be a, a deal deal changer? And in, in when I don't them? think so because the Russians have all kinds of aircraft, and so I mean, it, maybe if the Ukrainians use them extremely well, they could do some sort of a targeted attack on. But uh, both sides, well, particularly the Russians, are using. Uh, you know, a tried and true Russian technique about the defense in depth. That's why the Ukrainians are having such a hard time. Um, wouldn't it, for that kind of battlefield stuff, the, the plane that everybody always wants to get rid of, the Warthog, wouldn't you, wouldn't, wouldn't you want like 40 of those things? A Warthog, you know, the A-10 would be useful, uh, but, you know, they're only so effective, and uh, the Russians still have anti-aircraft uh, batteries and things like that, and the Warthog has to fly very low to be effective. It's strictly a ground support system. Okay. It's always pretty. It seems like it's good in the desert, where all of a sudden things shows up over a dune. You don't even see. Oh it yeah, there. it'd be. You know, it's well, it's open skies in the desert too. I mean, but it, I mean, it's open skies everywhere. But Warthogs are are very good for low level ground support. SP futures up six, Nasdaq futures up fifty cents. Again, yesterday we turned on the, uh, we were up, got twenty five, thirty points in Nasdaq, maybe fifty, and all of a sudden we were down a hundred. So it was about a, then, then came back to being positive again before we were down on the day. So there were a couple spots in there if you caught it right, if if uh, there was intraday intraday volatility that doesn't get countered anywhere, right, Greg? We'll be right back, Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here. Right now. Right here. Right now. 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 Right when you go back and look at your volatility, your your, uh, your volatility calculations, traditionally and still to this day, they are close to close, which means they're interday. Something like yesterday, we've had a, a big move in the middle of the day. Um, it, it, unless you are somebody who really takes you know highs and lows in the day and all that stuff into account, you're not going to catch that just by looking at uh, historical volatility numbers. So a day that was all over the place and finishes unchanged is just unchanged, right, Greg? It comes down to uh, calculating volatility, unless you really dig into highs and lows and stuff. But even that doesn't give you how many times it went up and down the highs and lows. Now, if you just were up 62 individual stocks, 
We got a Chevron Texaco up a buck fifty-four. A little bit of oil rally this morning. Boeing's up a buck fourteen, but nothing really moving. Renaju, we've got these guys have been all over the place, but not so much today. Nikkei's only down seventy-eight point two percent. They've been up up and down well over a couple hundred points every every single day it seems. Hang Seng, however, down three hundred eight one point seven percent. Uh, down near 17,000, 17,203 as they race back and forth, I mean, violently between 17,000 and 18,000. Uh, Shanghai down 14.5%, uh, still a little bit over 3,000, 3,038. They ducked under there a couple weeks ago for a moment. Uh, DAX down 105.7%, FTSE down 94, 1.3%. That's a big move. Kakaran down 71, 1%. These guys are catching, uh, they were, I think they were closed just when, when we started going down, so they're catching up here. We're catching down, or we want to call it. Yesterday, Dow was down 220, breaking the win streak. S&P down 35, Nasdaq down 128, so pretty much down across the board. Uh, bonds down three basis points because they, they rallied, the 10-year rally yesterday was down a little bit this morning, 4.60. The bond up five basis points, 2.71, and Japan up two basis points, 0.86. We've got oil, which is what we suspected, up 98 cents, 76.72. That's 1.3 percent. Brent up a buck 06. 8107 natural gas down a penny 302 our up three cents 219 gold can't can't get a bid this week down 1730 1952 silver down 35 cents 2255 below 2250 the thing has been a buy doesn't mean it is this time a copper down two cents 361 we have Bitcoin another day of rallying up 704 37064 and we have the US dollar which has been fairly steady not much moving again today either. The euro is at 106.8, uh, slightly lower, and the pound is slightly higher at uh, 122.1. We'll be right back. We'll not be right back. What do you got for us, Trevor? Weather, uh, weather and sport. Dub Bears, those orange helmets, we got to wear them every day now. Morning, everyone. 6.36 a.m. here in Chicago. 42 degrees, uh, 47 today, mostly sunny and cooler. Phoenix, we've got 53 degrees right now and 78 today. Traffic, inbound Kennedy, Montrose to the interchange, 17 minutes. Inbound Edens from Lake Cook, 31 minutes. Inbound Ike from Wolf, 16 minutes. Ryan, 95th to the interchange is 17 minutes. And inbound Stevenson, 294 to the Ryan is 22 minutes. Uh, sports, Hawks win. Hawks beat the Lightning for the first time in a couple years. That was 5-3. Connor Bedard scored twice. Four points. Yeah. And finally, Bears win at Soldier Field. Panthers 13, Bears 16. They did not cover, unfortunately, for... Um, or no, yeah, three and a half. So the Bears Bears lost the bet, but they did win the game. That's all I got, Chief. The, uh, those, of, those of you in the high-end tax brackets, guys like you know Kevin and Mike, the uh, new income tax, marginal tax brackets for year 2024 have just been listed. Um, if your taxable income... Is zero to twenty-three thousand two hundred. You have to pay ten percent. Twenty-three to ninety-four. You're paying twelve uh, percent. This is uh, married filing jointly, so you got to kind of cut in half, cut in half for regular people. Uh, you, then you go to uh, a twelve percent. <laughs> That's a good term, right? Yeah. Regular people, not married. <laughs> but here, well, but here's the here's kind of the big jump. Um, if you go from ninety-four. Over over ninety four thousand, you go from twelve percent to twenty two percent. That's that's the big piggy move up here. And if you know two people working ninety four thousand is not not a real lot. Um, well, this is taxable. This is after deductions, everything. So anyway, that that's your big jump. So when you end up seeing people, an individual who might have made 
uh, 47 say uh, now gets a raise um, for inflation or whatever and now he's making 57 he's paying the government 10% more of the new money just to get him back to the same place so again as I say way too often probably the biggest winner on inflation is the government and don't think well and Biden yeah. wasn't going to raise taxes on people making 250k and less that sounds uh, like a rise in taxes to me no this is a, this is just a I don't think it's much. No, of a that's rest. a raise in taxes, Tom. That's an increase. You're talking about the inflation part or the both parts. I don't. I don't think these brackets change much from 2022. But this is just the because they raised the individual uh, something. Is that the same people paying more taxes. I'm saying yeah. you're paying a higher percentage <clears throat> because of the because your your money isn't worth what it used to be. Well, that's more Sounds taxes. Like that's yeah. increase to me. <laughs> but yeah, but nobody. Biden doesn't know that. Ninety-nine percent of the population doesn't know that. That's well, why that's, they get away with it. You know, they they just blatantly lie. Well, yeah, yeah, that's what politicians do. I mean, that's the people. So who, how's uh, how's the the chaotic city of Chicago doing these days? Chaotic. So the uh, but here's what here's what went up as well. The standard deduction is increasing to twenty-nine thousand for married couples. And fourteen six for single taxpayers, so that's nudged up some too. So, but I'm saying, remember when when we when we were younger, how many tax brackets there used to be? That's why, you know, in the Reagan years when when uh, inflation started coming down, I mean, if you if you, if you got raises all those years with that twelve percent a year, every time every year you were paying a higher percentage to the government. And uh, you know, and, and you know, you wonder. I don't think people should necessarily focus on this stuff because what are you going to do with it about it but if you're paying 80 grand for the pickup you used to pay 44 guess what you just pay you're paying double the sales tax right it's not like they oh the inflation's up 40 40 grand so we're going to we're going to say the, the last 20 percent of the car price you don't have to pay sales tax on it you're not going to see that happen are you i don't think so no so anywho but no chicago's you know a mess and to the point where you wonder when things are when things are going to come back i mean yesterday uh what uh, Russell was saying, I don't know if you heard, Mike, that, that Miami's becoming the new financial center because they basically are recruiting all the financial firms down there. Right. And I'm not real big on this, you know, this this um, state. I don't have a problem with a state being run properly. And, and you and I saying, or all of us, the, the, the four of us, saying, you know what? It looks to me like, uh, you know, Vermont is, is, is run better than New Hampshire Maybe we should go move there and and not and not here because these guys are pissing away all our dough. I mean, I, I I can sort of get that part, but when you when you individually, I mean, e- even Caesar, I don't think he had the power. If somebody's tax rate was fifty bucks to say I like it, it's only thirty. I mean, the, the way these guys are competing for some of this stuff, I think is a little flaky. That's just one man's opinion. And when because Illinois did that for uh, was it John Deere, Kevin, where where somebody. Doesn't the, the company end up getting some piece of the taxes people are supposed to be paying to the state? I mean, these deals they give these places are crazy. I, you know, I don't, I don't think you should be able to compete other than your normal rate. But then, you know, that's somebody who likes to see a fair playing, a fair field, and nobody wants a fair field, right? Um, I, I don't think so. I, actually, you know, it, it's almost like you got to evaluate some of these things on a case-by-case basis is, is what they're doing, but it definitely does... Uh, create issues um, as you would attest that uh, you know if if you were to say what's 
what's my break for keeping my people here? Um, they're going to look and go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. No, sorry. Yeah. We had well, a, and the fact that they didn't let them even vote on uh, Sanctuary City, or they don't want the people to conduct a referendum on the Sanctuary City. So, how much are the Powells making out of that one? Well, the uh, you can have different different views on that. Uh, the vote now we're gonna have the latest is we're gonna have a a vote for the millionaire tax. Fund the the they were trying the wealth to, tax. The wealth tax. Well, no, it's it's a, if you sell a house for over a million bucks again. Inflation has its part in there. Your transfer tax is going to what? Double or triple, Greg? Something like that. The because uh, the transfer tax is pretty high on on, on real estate. So the idea. So now it's going to go to a vote. Well, you know, this whole idea of democracies is is interesting, but you can't have, you know, four wolves in one hen voting on what to have for breakfast. I mean, at some point, you know, you could be tyranny by the majority as well, right? And if you ask a bunch of people, should the rich people make more, pay more taxes than you? I, I'm not so sure that's that's democracy, is it? It's something. What do you think it is? Well, it's this this whole notion of the fair share that they discuss, and when they say, well, the wealthy have to pay their fair share, you know, a, a couple of things that come through there. One is, what do you consider the fair share? Because if you were to tell people. Well, 50% of what you've earned, we're going to take in taxes. They'd say you're nuts. And yet, in many cases, when you do federal, state, um, and, uh, and and real estate, and all, all you bundle it all up, it's 50% or more. So you have to uh, you, you have to deal with that part of it. But uh, and so, fair share is nice sloganing, but it is not. Uh, it doesn't translate very well when you when you make it something that uh, so make it a, find a way for people to relate to it um, so th- that that's part of it but the other part of it is they always talk about uh, corporations and I you know I've said this many a time on this show it is all about the taxable income number not the tax rate and and the tax code allows you to get your taxable income down to such a level that you know if, if you can if you can navigate it down to zero even though your cash flow is positive and for uh, uh, on your 10Q, it's going to say um, say you had uh, you had earnings, but from a tax standpoint, uh, because the code allows you all kinds of allowances, you wind up having nothing. I don't care if you make it 50 percent, 70 percent, or 100 percent. 100 percent of zero is still zero. I don't think the the tax code ever allowed the code. I don't think ever allowed you to. Dr. Jane, I had when he was on the show. Had one of our, our most serious disagreements. It's still on YouTube regarding the the tax code and the simple tax stuff and everything. I think I think Kevin people people cheat, and I think uh, they none, none of this stuff passes the smell test. If anybody had a smell test, it's like on the trading floor. Uh, I don't know if they even had this in the board of trade, uh, Greg. At least not until it was. There were all these rules, and the last rule was. Anything else that would be against the just and equitable principles of trade. Now I don't know what that means, but it says if you can think, figure out something or some way of cheating we haven't thought yet. By the way, that's illegal too. Is essentially what the what that line said. Yeah, and but we're not talking about cheating. We're talking about taking legal deductions. I, I that's the same argument I had with Doctor J. The our our friend Bob, our late friend Bob, who we miss, 
was involved, and he used to talk to me a lot, and you too, I'm sure, Kevin, about some of the stuff they put together in Europe that was so egregious, yet they managed to get some dumb IRS guy to go along with it. Yeah, it's, I mean, you, you nowhere in the code, this is, we're going back to the same argument with Dr. J, nowhere in the code did it say that you could run your coffee through Amsterdam where you, you make all your profit in Amsterdam when all your all your coffee shops are in London. The code doesn't say that, I don't think. Somebody figured it up and said, well, it doesn't say you can't do that. But somewhere, someplace, there's, there's the way you're supposed to have just, you're supposed to have transfer pricing that makes sense. Well, but I'm saying in reality it does say that. It does say that because we've decided that we don't want a simple, straightforward tax code we want all kinds of deductions and, and manipulations because that's how, you know, in the most, uh, oh, probably giving people the, the, be- the best benefit of the doubt I can, how they think they spur industries that are important to, um, uh, to our national interest. And in reality, it's how, how they uh, um, support industries uh, that they favor either from uh, an agenda standpoint or from a they're my friends standpoint or whatever and uh, you know if, if we if we just said you know here's the code whatever you earn you're going to pay X percent of this no other deductions other than standard business expenses um, no special okay. treatment, you, you, no special depreciation schedules I mean the, the, the depreciation schedules alone are the, are the biggest joke in there because they're not the same as anything that you see in the accounting world they are just strictly tax de- tax related depreciation schedules. So if you want to spur an industry, all you have to do is say accelerate the depreciation on that so that people can actually uh, um, you know lower their taxes. And you'll see depreciation codes on things like property where it says in the first year you get to take thirty percent of it. In the second year you get to you know and 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 by the time you get out to the 20th year on it you're depreciating hardly any of it but by then you've flipped it and gone on to something else there is some some logic to a lot of that i mean you know you and i took accounting classes but here, here's i think the thing when 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 arrived i was talking yesterday kevin about things i thought were wrong in the constitution and one of them is the constitution never anticipated somebody being able to influence elections miles away from them. you know. Anyway, that, let's not go into that again, but what I'm saying is the entire tax code, in my opinion, breaks down because of the foreign aspect of it. And that's where there needs to be a smell test. I mean, you could have a simple code like you're talking about, and like Dr. J was talking about, but it's not going to work. Okay, it's, it's not gonna, the reason why it's not going to work is you can say, take something, something really simple, because you know, I have an imagination on this stuff, not like Bob, but a little bit. Say, Okay, what about PTI, or not PTI, what about Stocks and Jacks? Suppose Mike Murphy decides he loves the show to such a tremendous amount, he sponsors, sends us a million bucks a year, and all we have to do is do two commercials a day for uh, for whatever, some charity. I mean, Mike is a guy that could do that. I mean, he would do that if he had the million bucks. Okay, so now we got a million bucks. Well, now that's simple. Okay, we, we're going to pay producers, you know, <laughs> imagine that, Greg. We're going to pay producers and all the other stuff, and at the end of the year... We're going to make five hundred grand. All right, so we write the check to the government. Yes, it's very simple. But all of a sudden, I'm going to sit there and go, I don't, I don't freaking want to do that. Tell you what, Stocks and Jacks is a copyright. All right, it is copyrighted, by the way. And uh, why don't I get a, a, a group? Why don't we stick Kevin over in the Bahamas someplace or some 
or what's the the spot in Ireland or Luxembourg or some damn place. We're going to transfer the uh, copyright to that group. You know, by the way, Greg doesn't like Chicago anymore, or Thomas. We know we can get rid of Thomas. We'll ship Thomas over there too. And every every week, we're going to pay rent for our copyright to that group. Say fifteen grand a month, twenty grand a month. And oh, by the way, Thomas is going to send us a programming schedule every week as a consultant, and we're going to. Uh, pay him 10 grand a week for his insulting whatever he's doing and we're going to pay Thomas 500 hours a week over there because he's not because he's not worth more than that hey so all of a sudden now all my oh, income is worth his weight in gold yeah yeah That's- it's a, so all of a sudden now all my income is in Luxembourg you know what the tax code didn't anticipate that that stinks and that's why why do you think these firms got so big that's what they did for 20 years and they're still doing it that sucks i mean in my opinion but you know what i could do it too i'm not that dumb yeah, let, me, let, me, let me give you a, a simpler example, though, um, because this, this I, I remember when this happened. It was the uh, um, George W. Bush uh, tax package, you know, the big uh, stimulus package that we did there. And one of the things that they did was they accelerated the, uh, um, the cost recovery schedule for tax purposes on trucks. Yep. And so everybody who owned a small business was self-employed in the world went and bought a truck for the business. The truck was an SUV, and they were driving them for personal use uh, because basically the price of that came down so much because of the tax treatment and the what you could charge to the business, uh, you know, uh, the relief that the business could get. Now, that's not, you know, that's... Hey, it, it's a smart move. You want to make the rules that way, um, you know, I, I'll be glad to take advantage of them. But that's where we get stupid. Don't do that. Just, you know. I, I agree. Have, but it's, but it's, it's nothing just, like. Just keep it simple. Don't create all this special stuff in there. What was the, what was the first, one of you guys will remember this. What's the first company that went, went offshore? It was a, was a drug company, international. Something, they got bought up by somebody. They went to Bahamas. And you know you know what they did? This this is this is how egregious. Talk about not we're not even talking about the smell test, we're talking about your nose in a pile of poop. They took their, their US patents on the drug and shifted them offshore and paid leases to the offshore company for the use of the US patents. You know what? Screw that. Just saying. But they got away with it. Now that's not in a code anywhere. That that's just not a smell test to me. Mike, you haven't said what? which side are whose side are you on here? Well, I, I don't think people should cheat on their taxes, but you know, it, it, but corporations, I guess, do it all the time. But this whole idea that you're shifting it to another venue, if, if it's, it's a bad idea on the trucks, Kevin, but it's also a bad idea because you got people running out and buying the new trucks this year, but now all of a sudden next year they're going to have a drop off. All you're doing is bringing demand forward, right? I mean, and, and are you guys saying that the customer? That where the customers are is where the tax should take place. I'm saying there. there yes, some, I would agree with that. I, I mean, I'm not. I'm not going to go quite that far, but I'm not saying you. You, you don't have a, a firm in, in a country that has a lower tax rate. Nobody's even there, and out of the blue, that's where. But how do you how do you design an incentive? What's the? Well, I think you have massive massive penalties if it's no good. I mean, Starbucks was the first. Wasn't all their all their their profit was in Amsterdam, and they had like one or two. Uh, places there, and yet they had like 500 stores in London, and no, there was no profit in, in in Britain. Yeah, but what's the rule to? Well, that's my point. <laughs> it's it's hard to make the rule. 
when there's places you can shoot. I, I guess the cheating would be in the transfer tax, right, Kevin? I mean, your transfer pricing. Well, yeah, what you're doing is, uh, you know, in, in the case of Starbucks, maybe it's the whole coffee production operation. And, and then, yeah, it is in the transfer pricing. So what do you charge the, uh, uh, the places in London? Um, and if you, you know, if, if you want to park all the profits, you just overcharge in London so that their expenses are high, therefore their net income is low, therefore their taxes are low. This is what I said at the beginning. If your net income is zero, make the percentage anything you want. Whatever you think the fair share percentage is, go ahead, have fun, but any percentage times zero is going to be zero. Well, they never, they never said it was zero. They said... Uh, I understand, yeah, yeah. so make it a low number. Well, so, you know, make it a low number of any kind. You know, may, uh, but but if you're if you're overstating expenses and therefore you're understating your income, um, you know, take whatever percentage you want. They'll they'll understate. You know, they'll misstate it or misrepresent it. Um, whatever they think they you know they can get away with, whatever's going to pass the smell test, and uh, and uh, you know, and the smell test you know is is only how bad it smells, not if it smells. And then, uh, uh, you know, and, and so, you know, go ahead. Go ahead. Raise my taxes. Big deal. Well, you could have taken the the drug patents and said, they're not in this country anymore. They're, they're null and void. Could have done that. That would have shook some people up. Yeah, yeah and simplify the another, tax put the accountants out of business. Another way to get more tax revenue is start charging the colleges that have these huge endowments, you know, that... And that's a not-for-profit institution with you know eighty billion in endowments. Come on. Well, I think some uh, you could make the case, Mike, and maybe uh, when we'll have you on next week. Uh, I'm not so sure, Eric. You, I don't know if you ever listened to Eric on the show. We got to get him back. Um, Eric is a teacher at Columbia, another professor. Got how many professors we got? We got Hal, we got Kevin, we got Russell. For God's sake. Um, yeah, we're over quota. We're over quota. Yeah. Um, I used to teach too, Tom. So there you go. The uh, well, I used to lecture on options too, but that doesn't make me a professor, does it? Makes me something. Um, anyway, his point was: are, are these companies really for profit anymore? I mean, the the people that make all the money are the are the even uh, you know some of these like like WeWork. Okay, just for instance, I, I'm going to say, Greg, please correct me on this if I'm wrong. I'm going to say WeWork never paid a dividend, and yet the people up top. At various times, with their options and so forth, probably made an absolute fortune. So the whole term "profit" is 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 weird now because, I mean, as Eric says, there's this management class that essentially, I mean, if if you and I, the three to four of us, us guys, us guys, if we went over to Commonwealth Edison and paid everybody what people are making in those jobs everywhere else, we could probably drop a lot more to the bottom line. And pay it out in as quote profit, but I'm going to say that any any CEO that's making thirty million, when a, when a corresponding firm averages at ten, that twenties is, in my mind, it's some definition of profit. It's just not going to the owners, right? So that's when you true, and you know, I'm sure schools with the the, the administration expenses it's, it's, that yeah, are exorbitant that students end up paying you know i don't think that's right some of that you know endowment should be lowering costs for students 
Yeah, I mean, uh, Greg just said. Get the government out of that market too. Yeah, well, Greg just said that it's an it's actually an expense to shareholders. Well, yeah, but I mean, there's we're we're not. For instance, I mean, you know, Apple, they sell a phone. Let's make it simple: a thousand bucks. Now the phone is made. I'll say to make it simple, in China. Okay, so the 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 the, uh, the phone is made by Murphy Industries in China. Okay, now Apple, their total cost of all these places might be $300 a phone. But when they transfer that here from China, there's a cost to it. There's a transfer price. They could put $900 on that where they make 400 or 500 in China and 100 here. Or they could they could put a $300 price on it where they make 700 here and nothing there. I mean, yeah. it, you know, right? I mean, it's... Yeah, now, I mean, theoretically, because I've been involved in transfer costs, not over the uh, offshore and onshore, but I've been involved in that in the past, it has to be defensible somehow, but it's not hard to defend, especially if you have the regulators in your pocket. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, the, I mean the IRS just went out last week. Who was on? One of you guys was on. And, uh, didn't they tell Microsoft? They went back over the 10 years they were doing all kinds of stuff in Europe. They think they owe them twenty nine billion, and the guy's response was, "Well, we'll be in courts for ten years. Knock yourself out." Okay. Well, at the end of ten years, I want the man in jail. I mean, I'm getting I'm almost like Carl in that regard. I mean, these things are at that kind of at that kind of if you steal somebody's bike for a hundred hours, it's a felony for God's sake. <laughs> you know, if you if you steal twenty nine billion, it's just okay. Anyway, thank you, Mike. Uh, next week we have a couple guys that are uh, that are, are, are out, so uh, I'll be calling on you dudes a little more, but that's okay. Um, we might have to take over some of loose spot talking about the uh, loose stuff on Thursday, Mike. If you don't, if you don't mind, but we'll we'll get that to you. SP futures up nine, Nasdaq futures up eighteen. Be right back with Carl Denninger. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now. Do you want a leader from a different generation who's going to put this country first, or do you want Dick Cheney in three-inch heels? All right, Mr. In which case, we've got two of them on stage tonight. I'd first like to say they're five-inch heels, and I don't wear them unless you can run in them. Um, We got two of you on stage. The second thing that I will say is. I wear heels. They're not for a fashion statement. They're for ammunition. <laughs> what we need to be doing for... God, S&P Futures up 7. Uh, Nasdaq Futures up 11. What do you think of that, Carl? Your girlfriends wear 5-inch heels just for ammunition? Uh, yeah, okay. Um, just uh, saying. Uh, uh, all right. So, you know, if, if you rate debates based upon how many zingers somebody can launch, then Vivek had a good night. 
You, sir, are no Jack Kennedy. Um, on the other hand, if you rate debates based upon whether or not somebody actually has a policy prescription that's going to advance anything for anyone, um, clowns on the left of me, jokers on the right. Yep, yep. And um, I didn't watch the thing. And the reason was I knew what was what we were going to get, and it was going to be a waste of a couple of hours of my time that would probably drive me to grab a bottle of scotch and empty it yep. down my throat. Um, it, it, you know, just look, just look at what happened yesterday. Okay, that's all you really have to do to see the sort of unserious people that were on that stage. Yeah. Well. The bond market essentially delivered a Bill Clinton-style warning to people yesterday. All right, we had an auction that was just, and and it was the last of a series. It's a refunding, so they were reopening old issues. Um and what people need to understand is that there's and, and there were a bunch of breathless screamers out there um, including some websites I won't name, but I despise because they run this garbage all the time. And it's and every now and then they come up with a good nugget, but 99% of what they publish is junk. And uh, they're running around saying, oh, you know, we're going to have a, a bond auction failure. No, you're not. And the reason is Treasury will pull it if it if that's going to happen. Okay, so there won't be an actual failure. They'll pull the auction, which they can do. Right, it's like anything else. I well, gee, I'm I'm, I'm not going to sell it yeah, all. Yeah, we're going to we're going to sell fifty billion and forty show up. We'll pull it. Yeah, we're not we're not you know yeah we're not going to do that because we certainly don't want that headline on CNBC. Um, and and by the way, since we're the ones doing the selling, we can say, well, we're not going to sell. <laughs> okay, um, which you know, on the other hand, um, the bid to cover was terrible, and the and the primary dealers who basically the bargain for people that don't understand how this works I know you do chief but yep. for people who don't the primary dealers agree to take whatever the rest of the bidders don't take okay that's the, that's the bargain however but they get a commission well it's it's more basic than that yes they agree to take it but nobody said at what price okay so there is no yes they'll take it but not at, at the Treasury's desired coupon necessarily. <laughs> All right. So anyway, the, the primary dealers ended up with an extremely high percentage. It was uh, close to a quarter of everything that was put out, uh, which basically means nobody else wanted it. And so so it, the, the actual price was higher than the, than the market was trading before the auction, which is usually a very bad sign. Right. It was a big tail on the, yeah, on the yeah. deal, essentially, is what it came down to. So that's why the market dumped immediately on the release of those results. Uh, but, you know, if you look at what's going on right now, I mean, you know, the spoos are trading up eight and eight and a quarter. Well, you know, uh, we actually came back from the original dump yesterday to where we were up. And then and then it dumped again. Yeah, it dumped again, yeah. Right. Well, what's his name? Ag- started talking and it made it even worse probably. But Well, uh, you know, uh, okay, big shock, right? So, you know, we had we had that big, you know, we had that dump. But here's the thing. What you have to understand about all this budgetary nonsense is that Congress can say, we're going to spend $6 trillion, which, you know, they've been doing, right? We're going to do continuing resolutions. We're going to play all this game. By the way, uh, we have another week before 
the existing CR expires. Yep. Uh, and our new speaker extraordinaire, who was the savior of the world from the uh, right side of the aisle's point of view, um, has not been able to whip the votes to get uh, his his appropriation bills through. Um, I think he's gotten one that's actually been sent over to the Senate, and uh, Schumer has said, "Up your blankety blank." Uh, we're not. We're not even going to touch that. It, it, and you know, it's it's the basic disagreement stuff. So essentially, we're going to be back to where we were, which is that if you want to actually pass anything um, and have you know not have a shutdown, you're going to have to give us another CR. And and this has been going on now, uh, you know, for years with both parties. All right, nobody is. Well, why 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 is it both parties have been doing it and yet? Everybody who loves to yell from one side or the other is always convinced it's the other party when they're both been doing it. Well, because, because nobody wants their ox. Look, you got a six trillion dollar, uh, you know, money spigot, right? <laughs> right. If you actually go through these appropriations bills, then you've got a set of these things, and you can say, well, I can separate out this pile of dog squeeze from the other stuff that we really do want to do. I mean, like, you know, we'd, we'd like to actually pay the people that are in the military. Um, uh, we'd actually like to fund certain parts of health and human services. But there's these other things that are not so good. If you separate out those bills, you now start getting down to the line item areas where, hey, you know what? That's garbage. Throw that in the trash. And by yeah, but, but putting, somebody's, somebody doesn't want it going in the trash. Somebody's getting money from it. Well, absolutely, yeah. but the, but the easiest way to bury it, Chief, is to stick the whole thing in one six thousand page thing that nobody can possibly read yep. and say we're going to vote on it tomorrow. All right, and now it's I mean, look, when Obamacare came in, when when TARP came in, all right, that was uh, you know during the the crash in '08, that was you know that was a one page seven hundred billion dollars to do whatever I want with it. All right, and that got bounced. Because you could actually read it and say, wait a minute, what do you mean Hank Paulson gets to decide where seven or billion yeah, dollars yeah. no no review, no oversight, no anything, no definition. That that got voted down, the market crashed, and then they come back with another one that says we're gonna you know the the purpose is to buy troubled assets, thus the name TRARP, Troubled Assets Relief Program, okay? Um, however, there was enough weasel language in there. Do you know how do you know how many troubled assets actually got bought by Hank Paulson? Um, actually, I don't. Zero. But the, where'd the money go? To the banks. Yeah. It was it was essentially a handout. Yeah. Seven hundred billion dollars of of taxpayer funds, but but it was not used for the purpose of the bill. Well, and, and they, I thought they I thought they were going to buy the crummy assets from the bank, and that's how they gave them the money. Well, they were, but yeah, that's well, not what happened. Well, but that's not what happened. They never even got okay. the crummy assets. Well, it, it, they they know what it, the whole thing that's what stopped the collapse, and I don't I don't know if you remember the timing on this. I wrote an article on this. It was and by the way, the market turned literally on the day this happened. Always does. Long term capital, same thing. Yeah, FASB went to Congress and said, "You will allow the banks to take whatever marks they want on these assets and hold them for however long they want, even if they're in their available for sale portfolios, or we're going to do it anyway." Congress actually told FASB to change the accounting rules. 
Well, that's, what, set. that's what's kept uh, Japanese banks in business for 30 years. Just don't tell anybody. Well, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, but essentially what they said was, oh, these losses, Congress, you're going to allow these institutions, they said to the, the accounting people, the CPAs, you're, you're going to allow these, these companies are bankrupt, but you're going to allow them to say they're not. And if you don't, we're going to legislate it so that they will. Well, and I mean, they, it's a, that was the day that the crash stopped. That's sort of the same. What what Carl was talking about? It, it happened. It was the, the most egregious example, probably worldwide, that I know of worldwide, is Japanese banks. Right. I mean, and, and uh, one. But, thing, but we were second only by a little. Well, but, but Japanese banks and European banks, um, and we, one thing I don't know if it's the Federal Reserve or whoever. Uh, owning common stock is not good capital for a bank. Right. Now, in other countries of the world, it is. All right, so the Japanese banks owned a real lot of the stock when the Nikkei was at 35000 and went down to, what, eight or something? Then it blew up, yeah. Yeah, it went down to, like, well, now it's back up, you know, how many years later? Uh, but it was, say it went down to eight. Well, so the banks bought Denninger Inc. at 100 and now they're, it's worth 10 and and they got this stuff... So technically, they they bought the stock with cash. All right, so you know, so you're sitting there, and by the way, you paid whatever a million dollars or something. It's now worth a hundred grand. Well, that's a problem. But uh, you're not. If somebody doesn't say, wait a minute, you got to you got to take nine hundred grand like you would a market maker, or like you would out of your account at PTI or any place. All of a sudden, your account is like your nine hundred grand's gone. Right. Well, right. these guys didn't do that. But the weird part about a bank is most of the operations, even though the bank doesn't have this, quote, capital, most days they don't really need it, right? I mean, you're going in and, and getting your auto loan or whatever you're doing and putting your money in your checking account. The bank can still operate. With, with well, this, you don't need it until somebody until shows some, up and says, give me all my money. Yeah, well, um, right. But I mean, it, 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 what I'm saying is a bank can operate as a zombie bank without some other big huge problem usually for a while especially with the government behind them oh absolutely yeah. sure and, and they do it all the time well that's why the, when you talk about the treasury auction you know it's hard to remember all this stuff unless you're in the business well these 30 years what was the low on the 30 years greg 1.8 or something i'm gonna say three years ago yeah it was i don't uh i'm gonna, s- have to look it I'm up, gonna say it was yeah. under two okay so people bought those things that right. now have 27 years on them and if you were to sell them today, the market price, I'm going to estimate at 70. At most, 65 maybe? 60? Yeah, actually the TYX uh, had had uh, several trades at 1-2. Wow. Okay, so now I'm... I'm so if, if I mean, I'm looking, at, I'm looking at a 20-year chart here, but around 2020... The early part of 2020, during a you know during the uh, you know the depths of the pandemic collapse in the assets, um, I've got several weekly closes, weekly numbers that were uh, you know very close to one percent. Right. So what do, what do you suppose a 30-year bond circa uh, 2020 June of 2021? Oh, what's it worth today with with us trading at four seven? Yeah, I mean, it's got to be worth. <laughs> I mean, it's probably worth 60 cents on the buck. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> well, okay, but now you ask yourself, this is a 30-year ban. Somebody bought them, okay? Right. Now, the somebody's probably our insurance companies and banks. Well, And, and maybe see, other countries. Right, and, and but the thing is, they are worth 100 cents on a dollar if you hold them for 30 years. Yeah, well, 
It's just that you're only going to get a 1% coupon during that entire period of time. Right, but but now if you buy them at 60, you're going to get the market rate going forward. Correct. And if they sell them to you at 60, they just lost 40. Right. And nobody wants to do that. No, well, of course nobody wants to do that. As long as you can avoid doing it, it's fine. Yeah. The the And when you're talking about treasuries, that's fine. The problem is, okay, what happens when it's not treasuries? What happens when, for example, um, we now have a, a brewing scandal, another one, big shock in the property market, um, Fannie and Freddie and... Uh, I would assume the FHA, I would assume FHA as well uh, have been very quietly rustling the leaves about fraud in originations over the last few years with owner occupancy claims. Okay, and they've been, and this is the same thing that went on in '06 and '07 before the market blew up. Um, and I see they April twentieth, twenty twenty. It was one point one seven. Well. Yeah. In the 30-year. So, I mean, I've got... But the thing is, is that you have... So, you know, you have these people that got these loans um, claiming owner-occupancy, which is good for quite a whack on the the rate compared to what it would be if it was an investment property. Okay. And they lied. And apparently some of the brokers that put these things through that the aggregators okay because you know not everybody is a, is just simply they go to the bank and get a mortgage okay there's there's a brokerage and correspondence system Carl, what's that, the, not to interrupt even though I did interrupt what's the if I if I buy a place and I get an owner occupied loan right and I put my fanny there for a year or two and all of a sudden I get a big promotion or I did I did something right and I sit there and go you know I'm going to go buy another place uh, and I'm, I'm, I don't want to sell this. I'm going to rent it out. What's what's my time frame for that? I have to stay there before I can go live in another place. And uh, well, it depends it depends on what what representations you originally made. But typically, it's twelve months. Okay. So I mean, you know, circumstances change, and everybody understands that. Okay. But you had uh, during the last several years, you had an awful lot of people who bought things that they had every intention of turning into Airbnbs. Right. Okay. And they claimed they were owner-occupied, and they weren't. Um, we're having a whole lot of fun down here. One of the things that is happening here in Tennessee is that uh, our local county uh, said, hey, wait a minute, commercial properties are taxed at a different, on a different structure and a different uh, percentage of just value than residential properties. Uh, by the way, it's about twice as high as what it ends up being in terms of the taxes you pay. <laughs> it's pretty substantial. And uh, we're going to, if if we see your address listed on one of these sites, we're, we're reassessing you at commercial rates. Right. Well, a bunch of these people sued and uh, they lost. And it, the, the ruling has come down that, um, excuse me, commercial property is commercial property. Have a nice day. Goodbye. Well, so now our county is going around and, and doing this as well. They should. They should have been doing it, you know, five years ago, but they're doing it now. And so that, of course, raises the imputed cost of carrying these properties by a lot, um, which in turn changes the you know the cap rates and everything else. Um, 
but what happens if you took the loan out and, and I mean part of the reason that the loans are not as aggressive in terms of you know what they'll allow you to do is that is that the taxation's different for commercial property as opposed to residential and so you know here we are uh, again just like we were in 06 where you had you know stated income loans and stuff like that. somebody always looks for a loophole and even though you're not supposed to do it, even though it is illegal, nobody ever goes to jail. And the whole reason we have these problems, Chief, is nobody ever goes to jail. Well, you know, you know the, the right people never get caught anyway. It's, well, but it's, the people get caught, and at worst, they get fined. Well, they, okay. You know the big story here. You, you were, you probably were out of Chicago by that time. But the big, for everybody, for everybody knows, uh, well, this is going to sound sexist, but it's not really. It's the truth. Uh, if you ever been taking Southwest Air forever, okay, when Southwest Air first came on the scene, virtually the girls used to sing Southwest. It was loaded with very attractive young ladies. They didn't pay as yes. much as the other people, and uh, but it was it was just loaded with all the most of the girls are from the South because of places from Texas. And anyway, I mean, that's that's what you had there. Okay, I'm not saying, and then of course they start hiring guys too. But by and large, they didn't make as much, and they flew in the Midway Airport instead of O'Hare. So there's not a, a slew of hotels around the place. So some people have these bungalows two, three blocks away, and what they were doing was they were saying, okay, you can rent essentially a bedroom in my place. They had, they had places where six people had little rentals going at, you know, two girls in a hot bunk in one room and, and so forth. And all of a sudden, everybody gets all, all up in their underwear about it. Uh, and I don't know, they ended up closing these guys. I don't know what they do. You're right, it's a commercial. This is really a hotel. It's really something, something else. I don't know. I, mean, I agree with you. It, the tax should have been different and, and blah, blah, blah. I mean, and somebody probably was upset with 15 good-looking girls walking by his front porch every night. I don't know if it would have been me, necessarily. Uh, I was going to say, <laughs> I get free show, though. Who's arguing over this? Yeah. So, but I'm saying, sure enough, somebody decided somebody was getting something. And, and there, there's a phenomenon there's got to be if, if our buddy Dr. Blade was on there's some phenomenon Carl where if, if if Microsoft gets away with something it's beyond my comprehension I can't even deal with it by the way I, I use my Microsoft products it's a big company it must be okay but if the guy down the block you know gets a, a you know, when, I, when I was a kid I'm talking about jumping all over the place the Economist newspaper in Evergreen Park they used to publish on tax day Instead of all these people cheating or whatever, you know, going to their all, they would just publish the thing. Everybody's tax for every address in this in the village, there was twenty four thousand people in the village, was in the paper. So you looked at the guy next door, and he's got your your tax. Say it was a thousand bucks back in those days for the year. And the guy next door was eleven hundred. You'd say, well, he's got a forty five foot lot. I got a forty foot lot. I guess that makes sense. And it, as long as it all made sense to people, everybody was cool with it. You know. But it, you're, you're, people are much more concerned, I used to see it on the board of the CBOE, about some market maker going over position limit by, you know, four contracts three nights in a row than they were about, you know, Merrill Lynch coming in and, and screwing people on a spread or something. And one didn't harm, do anybody any harm, but he, he was a guy like you. It was something I could understand, and I don't want him trying to get an advantage over me. But the big stuff, people just let go. And I, I don't know what the phenomenon is there, but I think it's kind of what you're talking about. Well, yeah, and, and part of the problem is, you know, there's there's always going to be those people who will say, well, you know, who's really getting hosed here, right? I mean, who's getting screwed? 
um, you know, yeah, okay, you didn't you didn't pay as much, you know, you, but the the harm is always claimed to be diffuse, if at all. Okay, it's okay, it makes the budget deficit go up, right? yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, in your town or whatever. Um, it, but uh, you know, the actual cost to Joe taxpayer next door is you know fifteen cents or whatever, right? For yeah. everybody that pulls something like this, and that's sort of true. But here's the other problem with it. When you put your thumb on the scale like this, and everybody's always looking for an angle, right? I mean, you know, look, I, I did it when I ran my company. We got space and prudential for uh, about 20% of the market rate for Class A space when we took the lease. And it was because Prue needed to lease that space now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, you know, things like that happen. Well, it's right? been an opportunity. That's not being illegal. Well, it's just uh, been an opportunity. No, it's not illegal. That's an opportunity, and we took it. We had the cash, and we took it. Okay, there's no problem with doing that. Same thing with acquiring equipment from somebody who blows up, and, and you know, and you can buy it for a nickel on the dollar. There's no problem with doing that. It's perfectly legal. The problem that you that people get, though, is they try to generalize this, and, and then they try to find ways to generalize it so everybody can do this. Think about what would have happened to Prudential and that building if everybody who had a lease in there was able to turn around and recast their lease down to what we paid. Yeah. All of a sudden, there isn't enough money there to pay the note on the building. But you also <laughs> have to be somewhat careful that you don't constantly screw your, your, best, your best clients for somebody else and give everybody else a discount. Well, that's what I'm saying is yeah. This, because, yeah, because eventually, I mean, you know, we needed a third of a floor, okay, which is, yeah, all right, that's, you know, in a, in a huge building like that, that's not that big of a deal. On the other hand, you get somebody that has 10 floors and comes back and demands the same price, and now all of a sudden there's a problem, and then if you give it to him, word gets around and all of a sudden everybody else wants the same thing, right? And if they don't get it, they'll go somewhere else. Well... Uh, you know, now you're going to have trouble, and so we uh, we we constantly ignore these things. And it's it's one thing to shop, and it's one thing to find a bargain and take advantage of somebody else's distress, which uh, I mean that's business. That's how it works, right? But when you have when you institutionalize this to the point that it isn't about taking advantage of special situations anymore, now it's I'm going to find a way to screw the other guy. Yep, and it happens all the time now. And it's an everyday occurrence. Well, guess what? The other guy, all these insults appear to be small, and on an individual basis they are, but on a collective basis they're not. And that's how you end up with a $6 trillion budget, and you only take it in four. Well, that's, I mean, I think there's always been a little bit of a, you know, larceny, I'll say, when we talk about federal government. And I, and I, I think, in, well, that's why I was, I was having an argument with, uh, discussion with Kevin and Mike, Regarding, uh, you know, taxation and, and transfer payments. Uh, I mean, I, yeah. I mean, it's it, it's it's one thing if you if you decide you're gonna you, you like the people in Illinois more than the people in Iowa, and so you you screw with your transfer payments, so you're paying a little more in Iowa than you are in, in uh, whatever than in Illinois. But you're still the total to the U.S. government is still the same. Right now, you're talking about uh, putting it over into the Bahamas. Yeah, now, but now it's a different story. But because it also, it, it you talk about how it affects everybody else. Well, if if you and I both have drug companies or whatever they are, and and all of a sudden I get the hair up my behind to go to the, you know, to Luxembourg or wherever the hell I'm going, Bahamas, and over a period of the next ten years we both make a million dollars, and yet I pay 
fifty grand in taxes and you pay three hundred grand. Right. Well, at the end of the decade, if if uh, Greg Pappas's drug firm has a new product that uh, maybe they can't get the FDA or maybe we we decide we like, guess who gets who outbids uh, the other guy for that firm? Oh yeah. So it's not it's not just. Well, okay, everybody wants to screw the government. You screwed the government. It doesn't just turn out. It gets to the point where now if I don't, if I don't get a place overseas uh, and do this, if I'm not if I'm not cheating or trying, you know, I'm not if I'm not cheating, I'm not I'm not trying. You're, well, not only that, if you're yeah. not cheating, eventually you're out of business. Actually, one, one, yeah, one of my buddies, uh, he this is just a long time ago. He he worked. For, get a load of this, Carl. He worked for a big law firm. A big accounting firm, but he was in tax. He was a tax law attorney, and they put together some deal where you could take. This started to happen because that's how I know this this happens. A couple of big banks put a lot of their stuff offshore, right? So then everybody started to get the idea: hey, these guys got a real advantage doing this. Um, these dudes put together essentially a template for at the time some huge amount of money, like four hundred grand or something. Yeah, you want to you want to take your mid-sized bank and have a, a place offshore here's the number you know and we, we have the template we the attorneys right. will show up and uh so the the place didn't want to make him partner we're talking about one of the big seven or eight or whatever the other time so the guy leaves with, with a few of the other guys forms their own firm some other firm says you guys are independent <laughs> they buy their firm their process and bring the guys in as as partners like three months later <laughs> I mean, you can't write fiction like this, right? But that's what they did. That's what they're, they, I don't know how many they took offshore. I'm going to say, you know, probably 25 or 30. I mean, because all of a sudden you, you couldn't compete unless you were paying 5% and, and not the 35 or whatever you're supposed to be paying. Yeah. And, you, and, you, and you can't let that happen. Because then, then you. Well, yeah, but it's, but this is, you know, it, it, this is the basic problem that you have with all of these schemes. Uh, is that someone figures something out, and if I mean in the in the case where they actually do it the quote unquote right way, they go in and get a private letter ruling from the IRS on it. All right, so now they actually have uh, pre-act coverage, if you will. And then they got to hire the IRS agent when he quits, right? Well, uh, you know, I mean, uh, hey, yeah. look, private letter. There's nothing wrong with a private letter ruling if you're not really sure what you're doing is, uh, you know, if you're going to get hammered, you know, three, four years down the road. Um, you know, you can go ask them. You, you can. It costs quite a bit of money to go get one because you got to pay the, you know, the tax people to do it for you. Um, but if you've got that, then you know the IRS has said, well, what you're doing is compliant with the tax code. Okay, I and would. I would. I wouldn't. You know. I don't, in my side of the world, you can call up FINRA all you want and ask for an interpretation. They have no idea whether whether what you're trying to do is right or wrong. You know when they come right, in, right? And they won't. They won't give it to you. But, and then when you, it, but then they come in an audit, then they oh no, it's wrong. Why didn't you tell me? No, that? it's wrong. Well, right, right. But that's. But I mean, in in the you know in the tax world, you can go get these, and uh, there's I mean there's nothing wrong with doing it if you want to do something and you're wondering you know can I can I do this? Um, I mean. You know, it's not the little guy doesn't have the money to you know to do that in, kind of a thing. In the immortal and, and words of my buddy, late the late Bob, who's come on the show, uh, I said, Bob, because Bob's a real good guy. I go, Bob, how can you keep a straight face when you're running some of this crap by these idiots at the IRS? He goes, Tom, seven hundred <laughs> bucks an hour, you learn to keep a straight face. 
Yeah, well, there you go. I mean, here's you know, here's he, another. He knew he knew this stuff shouldn't have been going through. Sure. Yeah. Well, all right. So let, here's uh, here's just a, a small example of the hosing that that here, that we get as people. Okay. Now, now think about this one. We just had a Washington appeals court. Um, this just uh, this was yesterday uh, that ruled that there's nothing wrong with car makers there's several of them that were named in this suit taking all of your call logs and text messages that they get from having your phone connected to the infotainment so you know you get a text message it'll read it to you or you know you make a phone call from the bluetooth in your car yeah right well i don't have any stuff for that reason but yeah well but you know i mean you know if you want to i mean legally you have to use a hands-free if you're going to you know, take a phone call in a car, right? So, I mean, nowadays, pretty much every car has an infotainment system that's integrated into the rest of the systems that the car has. The automakers have designed these things in such a way that that data is now essentially stolen in theirs and is not deleted, even if you disconnect the device from the infotainment system. Really? And they got sued in Washington State over this said that's uh, that day is not yours <laughs> okay they lost the, the they car lose? makers won how'd they lose well, the car makers no, no, were selling it to who well this was this was the problem the 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 court said well that's a speculative injury you can't prove that it was ever used to screw you okay well wait a minute all right i mean so now i so so now where does this open the the door to Okay, think about think about the, all of these co- so-called connected cars, especially in the EV world. But okay, the, the that, question from the, the, the judge to the other side, and I think you can ask these questions in appeals court, I'm no, no attorney, to the other side, should ask the car makers, why do you want to keep it? Why don't you just delete it? There's got to be an answer to that. What's the answer to that question? Well, well I don't know, but this, they, 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 this, was, this case was thrown out with prejudice. So now, unless it gets appealed up to the Supreme Court, it's dead. All right, so these guys say these dudes have all my information, and I, I don't want them to have it. And so the judge says, I think Well, they don't have- buy the car. Okay, but what I'm saying is, the, the other <laughs> side, is there a reason why you don't delete it? The answer is going to be, well, we're going to sell it. Well, then that, that there's, your, there's your cause right there. Yeah, but it's... But it, it, I'm just saying, this is, you know, you take a look at the, at the incentives of twisting things around. Look at what's happened with EVs. Well, what do you suppose okay. in, in this world of... of by, uh, by, the, by the way, you do realize that all those EVs, the Teslas and all the rest of them, have online telematics all the time because their software is updated over the air with or without your consent. And by the way, they know exactly where they are 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and that data is stored and held by the company that sold you the car. All right, now, has there been any, uh, I guess, who the hell told me this? We've got to break here in a sec, but has there been any case where the company's been forced to divulge that? Do you know? Oh, they, they, get, they get subpoenaed for that kind of thing all the time. And they give it up? Absolutely. It's, it's a subpoena. Of course they give it up. Well, I mean, when I ask, is that the and I should know this before I say anything, but I know something. When the 
the, the state here, the, the tollway authority, started doing the e- easy pass. Now, right. The, 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 the story was they were going to delete all that stuff after six months. There's no reason to keep it. Cause you ha, pay, ha, 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 cause you ha, pay, ha, Well, you pay in advance. Right. So there's no, there's, there's no debating the thing. I mean, right. Well, that was the same same thing that in Florida was that supposedly. I mean, we had we had the same thing. We had the toll passes, and you had to put money in the account before yeah, you used yeah, it. That's what we do. Right, and it's you know it's the same thing as Easy Pass. It's just a different you know the transponder's different, but it works the same way, right? And and multiple people have had that information subpoenaed in things like divorce cases. I was going to say it was in somebody from judge I know was in divorce court. It's in like a significant percentage of. Of cases now, everybody, everybody subpoenas everybody's Easy Pass things. Of course, because then, it shows exactly where you went. Well, well and that, not only that, the, the state, the, these idiots, uh, or people don't pay attention. They actually have Easy Pass towers now that aren't on the toll road. In, in, in you know, like they might be one on Harlem Avenue, say. Right. And they'll say, well, the re- not because you're not you're not paying a toll, but, but they're they, tracking. But they know your car's there. Well, they're right. tr- they're tracking you because they they say, well, if, if there's a big pileup on the toll road. They want to know what everybody uses for alternates or some stupid. What, of course, one of their buddies gets to put up the tower, right, or whatever it is. Well, there's actually there's there actually is uh, civic and civil engineering management use for that that's legitimate. Like what? Well, if you're if you're trying to do traffic management, you're trying to figure out where do I have to improve arterials and uh, you know add lanes and things like there there is. I mean. Knowing those traffic patterns is actually useful, useful information. The problem is, is that there's identities attached to them. I don't. I don't have to. We've been screwing up to Kennedy now for this year, Carl. You you don't need some system to say <laughs> that everybody can't get on to Kennedy, so you can't go down Elston, Clybourne, Ashland, or Halsted, anywhere up north. I don't need a machine to tell me that. And, well, and, I I know, but I'm, I mean, you know, come on, how many? How many times in the old days did you go over one of those double rumble strips that, sh- that uh, you know, was two, you know, the two pneumatic tubes so it could measure whether you were going one direction or the other, right, by which one got closed first? Right, but I'm, it's not being subpoenaed in a divorce case. That uh, well, that's we, right, because we, we there's, no, yeah. there's no identity associated well, but with the yeah, rumble. There's nof- right. nothing wrong with deleting it, is all I'm saying. Like you're supposed to, but, I, but I, except they, but they never do. They never do. S P futures up fourteen now, Nasdaq is up thirty five. We don't care about these stinking bonds. We're going right back to the rally today, Carl. We'll be right back, stocks and jacks. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control! Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now.
Low and picks. Stashing Jacks. I'm talking with Greg Pappas on the board. SP Futures up 15. Nancy Futures up 36. We listened earlier this morning to some of the talking heads on TV. And this bond market is, is threatening to interrupt the stock market rally, which we all want. Uh, imagine that. Um, something want to interrupt the market that we want to go straight up. I mean, uh, I want it to go straight up too, but some, sometimes reality does uh, interrupt things. Nikkei down 78 points. Uh, not very much. 0.2%. Hang Seng, however, down 308, that's 1.8%. Back down to 17,200 as they go flying back and forth between 17 and 18. Shanghai down 14.5%. We're in Europe, guys are down because they closed, I think, before we went down yesterday, right about there. Uh, DAX down 102.7%, FTSE down 97, 1.3, and CAC around down 70, a full 1%. Uh, yesterday in the U.S., Dow was down 220, S&P down 35, NASDAQ down 128, so we're we're almost back half of that in the S&P, not so much in the NASDAQ. Uh, bonds, 10-year down 4 basis points, 4.59 after a big rally up yesterday in a 10-year to blend. Uh, up 5 basis points. Again, these guys probably were closed yesterday, 2.70. So you're seeing things going in different directions here. Japan up 1 basis point, 0.86. Oil uh, is up 79 cents, 76.58. That's a full 1%, but still fairly low, below 80. Uh, Brent up 87 cents, 80.88. Natural gas unchanged 303. Our Bob up two cents, 218. Gold, whack whack again, down 20 bucks, 1949. Nobody wants gold here. Silver, down 38 cents, 2252. Kind of getting in the buy range again. We're just been running from 2240, say, to 2350, and then you got to sell it at least the last few months you have. Copper down three cents, 361. Uh, crypto, which is rallying here again. Bitcoin up 779. 30,140. We'll make up a new asset with nothing behind it. We'll bid on that. Why not? Uh, U.S. dollar, it's down a little bit against the euro. Uh, Euro's at 106.8. It's up a little bit against the pound. The pound's at 122, but not much action there. Greg, what do you got? It's traffic, weather, sports. It looks like a beautiful day. The Bears won. Orange helmets were the winner. What can I say? Yeah, and decent temperature. You, you went out to here. buy your, uh, your orange jersey today? Not me. Not me. 740 here in Chicago. 39 degrees, 47 today, mostly sunny and cooler. Phoenix, 53 degrees right now, 78 today with lots of sunshine. Traffic, inbound Kennedy from Montrose is 33. Inbound Edens, 51 minutes from Lake Cook. Inbound Ike from Wolf is 22 minutes. The Ryan, 95th to the interchange is 13 minutes. And the Stevenson, 294 to the Ryan is 20 minutes. Sports, Hawks uh, beat the Lightning. That's the first time they've won against the... Uh, Lightning since March 2021. That was 5-3 with Bedard scoring two goals. And Bears win at Soldier Field. He's like the, the third youngest guy ever to have four points in a game or something. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, that was eight there. One for eight in their last meetings with the Bolts. So, wow. Yeah, brutal. This kid must be as good as uh, ever he says he is. Seems like it. Yeah. That's, that's nice. Then, Somebody actually is as good like they say they are. Seems like a nice <laughs> enough kid, too. between. What's he, 19? 18, and he's 18. still got time. You know, don't worry. Wow. What the, who else played that young? Bobby Hall played that young. Didn't uh, didn't uh, Red Hay play that young? A couple guys did. I can look it up. Yeah, the uh, youngest Blackhawks. Of course, in those days, there was no draft, I don't think, Carl. Was he just snuck him out of the out of the league in Canada? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it, <laughs> I don't know. I think it's uh, the whole... The the whole pro sports thing has has gotten, I don't know. <laughs> I still like my double A ball down here. Well, 
third youngest player in NHL history to record four points in a game. Um, yeah, he I, I, yeah, I mean, uh, the youngest to some, reach milestone since 1944. Well, do you remember? Remember when Fred showed up in the, you know, in the in the Bears? Well, who showed up? The Fridge. Oh yeah, yeah, Fridge. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, out of nowhere, right? And all, and all of a sudden, nobody's going through him. That's a brick wall. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I mean, it was a short-lived thing, right? But then. You know, the I was I was in Chicago and you know and running MCS when the whole Dream Team thing with you know with uh, with the NBA was going on, and uh, that was that was kind of an interesting thing because it was a confluence of those three dudes all of a sudden show, you know ending up in the same place at the same time. Um, none of which on their own, other than maybe Jordan, would have been all that interesting. Well, if the fridge landed in some crummy team, he just would have been a you know an excellent player in a crummy team, and nobody would have thought anything of him. He never yeah. would have gotten a name for a name out of it, right? Right. But you know, I mean, the dream team thing was uh, you know, I mean, okay, what what would Rodman's legacy had been had had the other two guys not been there? Well, he had a couple. Of, he had a couple of championships in Detroit, but nobody remembers that. But nobody, yeah. But what what he was best known for was how many times he fouled out. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I mean, you know. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, he was a so, he was a, a serious rebounder. He was a, I mean, he was a very skilled player. He couldn't shoot very well, but he was good defender and he was a serious defensive force. The Bears could, or the Hawks, Bulls could sure use him now. They have no well, yeah. any defense. But uh, but he, he has no well, except, except he was so aggressive what? that I mean, you know, he got he got tossed for flagrant fouls oh, yeah. on a regular basis. Yeah, you were saying, Greg? Do you know the guy? the The fridge could dunk. Yeah, yeah. I mean, these these were. Kind of special athletes, uh, yeah, Carl and I. Actually, I wanted to ask you because you, you do some of the weirdest research. You got to ask. I don't know if that's a that, that's actually a compliment, not, a, not an insult. I was going to say uh, I don't know if that's good or bad. Um, <laughs> but I mean, you, you see these people and even animals that are because we had we had a uh, young Katie Mather on yesterday, and she was a you know she's a great guest. She was talking about all these orphan diseases and stuff. And uh, did, you, did you have a chance to listen to that at all? No, I didn't hear that. Well, one. she would. She says that these big places, well, I wander off topic all the time, these big places like she's at Vanderbilt doing all the research, that getting this research money and grants and, and people, you know, sending money in for various things, depending how you send it. She goes, every one of the grants is, is accounted for individually. There's got to there's be hundreds of them going on at every one of these universities at any given time. Who the hell does all that? I mean, how do well, you, how do you keep that all straight? I'll tell you who does it. It's a whole bunch of people whose whose job it is to do it. Okay, and it's one of the problems with the system that we have today, both within the research uh, community and you know in higher education, which is where a lot of that stuff happens. Right? Um, is that there is there's an undercurrent of corruption. I was just going to ask you. That's what I was going to ask you. Is there? It's an undercurrent of corruption that's essentially unbreakable in the within the current structure. Okay, and, and you know, take a look. For example, take a look at all the stuff with climate. All right, you cannot get a study funded. You cannot get the work funded if the premise and the basis of your modeling does not comply with the IPCC's basic views. Right. If you're if the basis of your model does not work within that framework, you can't get any money. In other words, if you, don't, if you don't already have the conclusion they want, you're not, 
You're not well, that's right, and, and there's a problem with that because if you analyze a, an awful lot of the, the, if you take all their stuff and deconstruct it and go down to basics, much of their premise violates the first law of thermodynamics. Therefore, it's false. All right. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that the conclusions are always going to be wrong, but you're required to violate the first law of thermodynamics in your postulate or you can't get any money. Well, I was going to ask something even simpler. If if, if Carl gave a million dollars for the study of uh, ALS, say, at the uh, University of Chicago or wherever it is, and you managed to get two or three doctors from, I'm going to say another place, don't have to be from another place, on this team that's going to you know do some serious research and you're going to have all these samplings and blah, blah, blah. What's the what is the overhead rate? Oh, it's it's ridiculous that the that the that the University of Chicago, Northwestern, or Vanderbilt drops on that for use of their lab. Say, I yeah, bet, it, I it's, bet it's, it, it's huge. Oh, it's it's it, yeah, it's insane. But here's this corruption doesn't just stick within the that field. Okay, let me give you an example here. As as I'm sh- I'm sure people remember, there was this horrible case uh, near Nashville where a crazy person went into an elementary school and shot it up. Was killed by the police. Um, was a transsexual. Okay, the person who did it um, had a great volume of writings, including a manifesto, that the Nashville. Uh, police department and everybody else that's been investigating this, including the FBI, have refused to release. And there are lots of questions as to why. All right, the person who did it, I mean, there isn't a question of prosecuting the person who did it because they're dead. So you can't say, well, you could taint the jury pool because you can't yeah. taint the jury pool and there's no jury, right? Um, here's, here's the problem. Uh, Crowder a quite well-known and very abrasive right-wing journalist uh, got his hands on a few pages of it. And now the Nashville cops are suspending people left and right. Anybody that might have been the source of the leak, they're going after. They haven't figured out exactly how he got it, but he got it. They have confirmed it's authentic. And essentially... What it, what it essentially says is that this, this person said that they were going to go shoot up a bunch of white people and they were, you know, a bunch of white cracker kids. You, you kids all deserve to die. Ha, ha, ha. You know, that kind of stuff, right? I mean, I mean, about as ugly as it gets, very racist, directed at white people. And the problem is that why was this all suppressed? Well, part of this um, may tie back to the fact that Vanderbilt which is in Nashville. Even though it's private, it's a big benefactor of the city and uh, you know the state government and everything else, right? Um, by the way, there are very strong supporters of transsexual treatments for both young adults and minors. And this person was one. Okay. And part of the motivation appears to have come from that aspect of their identity 
And it's uh, in their own words, so you can't say, well, you made it up. No, I didn't make it up. It's in the manifesto. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I don't uh, – when you start figuring out why people do that crazy way, well, you, go, you go down a million rat holes with that. Well you, well, you do, but when someone tells you something, you probably ought to listen, right? I mean, you know, when they say, this is why I'm doing it, well, okay, maybe there's other stuff going on, but and maybe they're just nuts. But, um, uh, you know, should this, should this maybe cause some reviews when it comes to public policy things? Yeah, I think, I think that's a very reasonable thing to start looking at. Uh, but we still can't look at this. And supposedly, this is, you know, there's, a, there's a judicial thing. There's, there's lawsuits over keeping this thing hidden. Well, this, this person doesn't have any, any rights in their writings anymore. They're dead. Um, is, there a, is there a public interest? Well, if it's so ugly, ugly and so screwed up, the last thing you want is some people reading it and thinking they're like they're going to be a copycat. Oh, absolutely, and there and there's that problem too. So I mean, this is this is a complex issue. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but this is the kind of thing that bothers me within this kind of of situation because we've seen this within so many other areas of so-called science. Okay, I mean, this is this is a big part of the whole well, thing with the cli- with you, the climate you, stuff. You know, it's my, my favorite one was the COVID one that we talked about. Oh, Chief. Uh, yeah. uh, oh, look. But I mean, I, I thought the idea that Harvard got the money from the airlines to come out and say that you that the air in an airplane was purer than if you were walking outside. I, 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 I when I stopped laughing, I, I was almost crying when I heard when I read that. Oh, yeah. Well, it's, uh, but it's, <laughs> there's another thing that's been dug up now, too. Okay. So before this, before COVID hit, um, the the mRNA technology, Moderna has been trying to make it work against cancer for more than ten years prior to COVID starting. Okay, it's I mean that's that's basically all that company ever did was to try to commercialize this technology. They'd had failure after failure after failure after failure. They filed a there was a patent filed in 2019 in which. It was explicitly stated that the, one of the whole reasons they did this and they went down this road is because DNA, as opposed to RNA, poses a risk of promoting cancer because it can integrate into the genome of the cell. Okay, a DNA can get mixed into the DNA of the cell when the cell goes through its normal processes. And if it does, that can be a cancer-promoting event. And this has been well understood in, uh, you know, within the pharmaceutical industry for a long time. So therefore, the whole reason to use RNA was that to, to get around that problem. But that, of course, means that you must be absolutely sure that no DNA ends up in whatever it is you produce. Now we know that the, the quality control was terrible on these things. And in fact, every single sample that has been analyzed, and there's, there are now ind- multiple independent labs working to confirm this, have huge amounts of DNA that were in these shots that isn't supposed to be there. Really? Well, um, that's a problem because the companies that made them knew that this was something that was extremely dangerous and was the entire reason they went down that path in the first place. That's unreal. Hey, uh, I want to get back to this this bond stuff here because we're going to be trading on that today, but um, I, I was... To listen well, to, uh, well, you know what? People are ignoring it right now. We're up 19 on the spoos. Yeah. What? Uh, I guess we have some people now. Was uh, Romney and, and, and Mansion, who's I guess not going to run again? 
Right. Well, about, that's an inter- that is an er- that's a political earthquake given how close the Senate is. Well, it's also is are those guys going to form a third party? Um, well, that's that's an earthquake too if that kind of thing happens. Well, I wouldn't be a bit uh, surprised that the moderate people, by the way, people like me, and I think actually, much as you hate to admit it, people like you and Kevin and everybody else that are more to the right of me aren't one of the crazies. And I, and I don't think even though I'm somewhat left, I'm not one of those guys. I'm in the middle. Right. I I think I think there's sixty percent of the people in this country are looking for another party. I yeah, I think you're right. I mean, it's one of the things. I have an article in the queue that's going to talk about the you know what happened on Tuesday. The only reason it didn't get published a couple of days ago is that we you know we started with a whole bunch of other stuff that got important, including this bond stuff. Um, but you're right, and this is uh, you know just as an example. Tuesday was a was a political earthquake. You had you had all. I mean, look at Kentucky. Kentucky is a deep red state on a on you know i mean it went went something like 15 or 20 points for trump the last time around for crying out loud all right they just re-elected a, the democratic governor that locked the state down and put all sorts of mandates in during covid why because the state had a trigger law that had no exceptions for rape or incest that went in as soon as roe got killed by dobbs and the Republican legislature has a supermajority in both the House and the Senate within the state. And they have not done anything about the fact that if your 15-year-old daughter gets raped in the state of Kentucky, she can't do anything about it. That's wild. All right? Well, guess what? The people of the state have said, you know what? We're generally on the, on the right side of the aisle because that's why we keep voting for Republicans, right? But um, this is a bridge too far. And the only way we can counterbalance this is to keep a guy in the governor's chair that we really don't like very much. <laughs> well, that's, right? that happens. I mean, it, right? It happens. Yeah, yeah. And so, and, and well, and that's what happened. And so, and you saw the same thing happen in Virginia with Youngkin. Youngkin has tried to pull off the crazy side of the of the sheet on the as a Republican. The problem is people don't believe him, and the reason they don't believe him is exactly the kind of thing that has happened in Kentucky. You've had how many years now, and you've done nothing to solve this problem? Could you solve it? Yes, you could solve it. You have a supermajority in the legislature, and you have a Democratic governor that would sign anything that went in that direction. So uh, there's no problem here with doing it other than the fact that you don't want to. The GOP, on on one side, you, you have crazies on both sides of the extremes. Okay, no matter how you slice this thing. The, I don't care what issue you you take a look at. The far wings of both parties are wildly out of what most people want to hear. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. But if you threaten somebody with something that sounds to them like Sharia law, they're not going to vote for it. No. All right? And, and that's where the issue... The, the GOP has this issue, and they need to deal with it. And it's it, it, I believe it's a big part of the reason that Trump got the nomination... The last time around, and you're and you've got, I mean, the stuff that you, you hear right now coming on Nikki Haley and people like that. I, I you got to be kidding me! I mean, this woman would like to start World War Three for crying out loud. She'd like to do it before it's the sun up tomorrow. Well, I didn't. I didn't listen to that debate. What'd she say? Oh, uh, she's been a she's been a you know blow them all to hell that God sorted out forever. That's no. I mean, it's, uh, you know, yeah. I mean, but that's uh, you know that's the problem we have is that. You've got there's no nuance within this. I know. And the far- All right, now I got to ask you a question. I got a couple minutes here. I got to ask you a question. Uh, this is my read. This is not me being, you know, Mister Sexist, which I'm not. 
Uh, I think that for her to get the nomination of the Republican Party as a female, because this is now the, this has become in a lot of instances, a lot of areas, this is the manly man party, right? I mean, uh, I'm not saying I'm talking about you or Kevin. I'm just saying. No, it, it, I yeah, I, it, it, the wing, the, the the problem with the far wings of the party is they uh, they yeah, they become the manly man party, and, and if she in some in some some percentage of it. Uh, hell, when Jessica was going to DePaul, she was uh, doing the producing for us. She goes, the Democrats at DePaul, it's all the, it's all the women like the gay guys and uh, all, all the manly men are all Republicans. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, look at the comment about yeah. you know the, the the heels being weapons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but I'm saying so. She has to come out on that side that she's going to be the she's going to have to she's going to be tougher than Trump lets on. Even though Trump was never tough, he was he didn't do anything right in that regard. Am I the the, the persona? What what is it when the, when the legend conflicts with the facts? Print the legend. I mean, uh, I think she has to. She may she may actually feel this way. I don't know. I don't know the lady, but she has to come out. Is a swinger, and I think there's a massive difference between somebody's going to nuke all Russians, nuke all Chinese, and when you get in there, it's your finger on the button. I would hope that everybody who has Did you just uh, say she was a swinger. No, I'm saying. <laughs> no, I said you, you have to be somebody comes out that you've got to you've got to portray yourself as being tough on everything, right? And uh, even more, even tougher than maybe you really are. You know, so the idea is, uh, I'm not afraid to drop the nukes, the nukes on these Chinese. Well, okay, fine. It's one thing to say that. It's quite another when you know there's people on the other end of the of the bomb to hit the button. I mean, I, I would hope that anybody who's ever had any kind of a moral training before the age of seven would have a problem with that, Carl. I would hope. You know, <laughs> but well, yeah. you'd hope, yeah. yeah. Um, but I'm saying, it, you know, the politics makes this strange, strange bedfellows. I mean, and and uh, you know, what do you have to do? To go up against Trump, you have to you have to let the people know that you're even tougher than he is, or supposed to is, even though I don't think he's tough at all. Uh, and for and and as a as a female, I think it's really tough to do. Is that a fair statement? It's not sexist. So I mean, I think it's tough to do. Um, look- yeah, I th- it's this is this is the basic problem though that you have with the the two parties is that they're controlled by the people on both edges. Yeah, because without them, you can't win. Actually, right okay. now, I, w- I think I would vote for her. Compared to well, the, but I'm uh, saying you can't, you know, the, the party itself, it, it, both the Democrats and the Republicans, are captured by the far ends because without them you lose. And even though they're 10% of the vote, when you've got a 6% swing in an election, you can't lose 10% of your voters. Right, right. It's, it's, right? Well, let's talk about and, that next week. We gotta, that's, it used to be you got money from the, the ends and you got the votes in the middle. That has changed. That has changed. Now you have to have the ends or you lose. If you go in with 20% solid in your camp, you take your chances on picking up 30 out of the remaining 70. Right, but you can't. But yeah. see, you don't have the 20 now unless you right. go right. with exactly what they right. want. Right. Carl, thank you very much, buddy. Uh, talk again. Might need you on a little earlier next week. we got a couple guys going out of town. SB Futures up 18. NASA Futures up 58. Uh, we're rallying again. We'll see if that stays. It didn't yesterday. Maybe it will today. Back on Monday, yeah. Stocks and Jacks. Shout, cows are marching on the